1: to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon.
2: Good morning, Liz. I hope you had a good weekend. Uh, and uh, today, we are so excited to, uh, to welcome uh, and honored to welcome the Secretary of State of Mississippi, Michael Watson, as our guest on the show. Secretary Watson, thank you so much for being here this morning, and uh, would you uh, please tell us a little bit about uh, your role as Secretary of State? I know it's a broad role. We're going to be talking about uh, qualifications for candidates today, but can you just talk a a little bit more about all that the Secretary of State's office does?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and great to be with you, and, and Liz, I appreciate you spending the time with me today, so I look forward to talking to you and, and educating Mississippians. I think one of the roles that we play is a lot of folks don't know what we do, and so if you look at the Secretary of State's office...
1: Well, you do so much. You do everything, <laughs> it, it seems is. like. It
0: is. A, a quick elevator speech would be, look, number one, elections. Obviously, that's the face of the office. Everybody knows that we do elections. Number two, business services, and that's really where the breadth of the office kind of stretches out. Uh, you're talking about corporations, LLCs, nonprofits, nonprofits. Um, You've got sports agents. You've got scrap metal dealers. You've got charities. uh, The list goes on and on and on. So that that comes to our office. The Administrative Procedures Act is under there as well. So that's kind of business services and, again, very broad there. Uh, And then lastly, public lands. So 16th section lands, which some of the funding goes to education, public education, Uh, We've got tax forfeited properties, and then we've got tidelands along the coast. So the office really impacts your lives, uh, just about everybody in the state, whether you know it or not, in some form or fashion. So great office, and we've got a wonderful team. Obviously, it's not just me. We have a a phenomenal group of Mississippians who who care about service, who care about making sure that Mississippi moves forward in the best way possible. So uh, excited to be here with you guys today and excited to serve as Secretary of State.
2: And I, and I want to brag for a second about your, your website because, you know, all those things you talked about the Secretary of State's office does. And, you know, great website for for our listeners. Uh, you know, if you're interested in in whether something is a registered charity or not, you can go on there. And, and uh, really well set up. So all the information's there. And, and I know Liz will put the uh, Secretary of State's website on our, you know, on the, on the webpage for our, for our podcast as well. I kind
0: of quick, today, quick funny on that one. When we were campaigning in 19, I had a lady call. And she said, "Hey, I, this this portion of the website is is awful. Uh, can can you fix it?" And I was like, "Well, you know, if I get elected, we'll we'll take a hard look at that." And I said, "Well, where do you live?" And she was in Baton Rouge or somewhere. So I got people <laughs> from Louisiana calling, complaining while I'm in this campaign. But our team again did a phenomenal job with with uh, updating some of the pieces on there and, and continuing uh, those renovations. When people call with questions, I think that's the the most important part. It, it takes a team. It's not just me. It's not just them. It's all Mississippians working together to make it better.
2: Well, I totally agree with that. And and let's talk about Mississippians working together uh, who want to run for office. um. You know, we're focusing on, on qualifications for office today. So, if I'm interested in running for office, how do I even start? What do I do?
0: Uh, the easiest place to start is the Secretary of State's office. Uh, obviously, it's overseeing elections. And, and real quickly here, Mississippi is a bottom-up state, meaning our circuit clerks and our elections commissioners are the ones that do the really hard work. Uh, but we oversee that, help train them. But specifically to our website, you can go there to look at our. Uh, candidate qualifying guide it's got all the information you would need all the forms you would need everything that you need it's a one-stop shop uh, for qualifying for office so encourage people to go to our website and do their homework there if you have questions please call us i think that's an important piece as well anytime anybody has questions we want to be helpful Uh, we work for mississippians so if you've got questions about qualifying about hey where do i need to live how long do i need to live there Uh, you know how old do i have to be obviously you can find the information on the website but if, if you're having trouble finding it please give us a call as well
2: yeah, my, my question would be, how how old can you be? Is there, is there an upper limit uh, for age? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you can be as old as you'd like to run. <laughs> we, we had a few senators uh, when I came into office back in 08, I believe, that were in their 60s, 70s, uh, maybe even 80s. So uh, you don't you don't have a, a certain age limit, uh, but you do have on the bottom end of it, you have to be a certain amount of years old uh, to run for office. But you can be as old as you'd like uh, to serve. And, and again, it takes all of. It. Uh, you know, different perspectives from different ages, I think that's important. Uh, we've spent a lot of time so far listening to younger Mississippians. Uh, we've got different programs out there that uh, we've, we've worked on to really just listen. I think that's an important piece. We, we don't know all the answers, uh, but when you can talk to people from different ages, uh, no matter what their their title or position in life is, and listen to them, you learn a whole lot of things. And I think that's an important part about being out of, out of the bubble in Jackson, visiting Mississippians. Uh, we're doing an 82-county tour, we're visiting our circuit clerks and our elections commissioners and business leaders in those communities and just listening Uh, mississippians are smart they're accomplished they're hard-working Uh, so we can take the time just to listen you learn so much and it helps really with with leadership uh, when you know that you don't know it all
1: well you should check the website every so often to see when the secretary is going to be in your county just so you can say hi uh say i i heard you on in legal terms that's right that's right (laughs) and you know let him know what's going on in your county
0: That's exactly right. And uh, we we go to high school football games or if you see me in the grocery store, (laughs) it doesn't matter where it is. I I love talking to Mississippians and, again, just letting them know that be approachable and and listen. Uh, That's what leaders should do. We we ask for this job. And most importantly, we work for Mississippians. Uh, You are the bosses, and so it's important that we do listen.
2: Well, that's really it's always great when we have our public servants uh, and, and uh, we, you know, we really appreciate you again being here on this show to talk about uh, these topics. And, uh, you know, how, I always wondered how people get on the ballot. You know, they, they, they I, I, let's say I qualify. How do I even get on a ballot? Uh, to to run for a local election or statewide election.
0: So it does differ uh, depending on what you're running for. You've got uh, executive committees by the parties. So if you're a Republican candidate or a Democratic candidate, uh, and depending on where you run, if it's statewide, obviously you'd you'd go to the state level. If it's a county office, uh, you would file with your circuit clerk and they would get those papers to the the certain uh, executive committee, be it a Democrat or Republican committee. Uh, If it's an independent candidate, those go through the elections commissioners at the county level. Uh, So it it depends, again, on, on what you're running for and in, in which uh, position that you you're you're looking to sort of mississippians in uh, where your paperwork would go but uh, we get a lot of qualifying papers obviously at the secretary of state's office uh, and uh, as well as the circuit clerk's office on the local level and we'll route those where they need to go to the the proper executive committees but they want to make sure that the individual is qualified uh, do they have do they meet residential uh, you know the residency uh, questions do they meet the age do they meet if it's an attorney if it's a judge uh, you know do, have they been a practicing attorney for five years if they went run for attorney general interesting note uh, the Attorney General's qualifications are actually tied in the Constitution to our chancery court judges and our circuit court judges so if our circuit court judges and chancery court judges uh, changed in the Constitution their qualifications it would actually change the Attorney General's as well Uh, so people don't really know that just a a fun fact on elections
1: well and sometimes you hear the the fussing and the arguments when people question your residency so I would think that before you decide to run for anything you better get your ducks in line on where you actually live.
0: Absolutely, and I won't go into specifics, but we have had some, some quite uh, contentious uh, meetings with the State Board of Elections Commissioners. So ultimately, we approved the ballot. Uh, so that's the governor, the attorney general, and myself. And we've had a couple of cases where uh, the residency was called into question, and uh, folks can come in and they can share their side of the story, which is important. Let's listen, you know, understand what, what the facts are and um, you know, how do we need to look at this based on case law and, and uh, other uh, things in statute constitution as well and so yeah you, you need to make sure you do your homework be prepared uh, prove your position uh, we as attorneys know that professor
1: yeah uh, as a tax uh, a guru here um, you want to make sure that you're abiding by your IRS residential you know where you file your IRS hope I would Personally, I would just hope and assume that would you know, be your, your residency. So if you – I don't think – does anyone run for political office on a whim? I would think maybe you would kind of – it would seem like you might need to be talked into it for a couple of years. So you might need to start getting all your papers in order to begin with.
0: Look, you might be surprised, uh, when, especially when you look at some of our federal offices where – Uh, You just have to be a resident at the time of the election. Uh, In Congress, one of the things that people aren't aren't very familiar with, if you want to run for Congress, I can live in DeSoto County and run for the 4th District down in Pascagoula, uh, South Mississippi. You don't have to be a resident of that you get into election and people start asking questions, it's going to matter then. But technically, uh, on your residency issue, you do not have to live in your congressional district. So a few things out there that are kind of quirky. Uh, And again, another great reason to go to our website, make sure that you're looking at the qualifications and being prepared when you do run.
1: Well, and just me saying that, you know, what called to mind, my dad once ran for public office because he had been talking his mouth off at one time, and they said, "Well, if you think you can do better, you should uh, you should run." And today was was his, he would have been a hundred years old today. So oh, happy, uh, and he Paul. did he did serve Glorious in birthday. the Arkansas state legislature and was a city attorney and in, in things in Arkansas. But anyway, this is not about me. This is about you. You can send us your email questions. I'm about to go check our email account. Our address is legalterms At mpbonline.org, we're discussing how to become a candidate for public office with the man in charge of the state agency that handles our voting, Secretary of State Michael Watson. So where can you get some of this information about our voting process? I'm going to tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is In Legal Terms. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our whole show live, so if you've missed any of our program, don't forget you can listen to the whole show on our website. In Legal Terms, no, I did that wrong. Our website is, yes, it is... (laughs) Okay, the email address is terms at mpbonline.org, but the website is in legalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Professor Gershon, you'd think I'd get this right after five years. Oh, I think it's been five years now. I think I started in September of seventeen. That's five years. Okay. Our guest is Secretary of State Michael Watson, who does want to make sure that you have easy access to trusted election information. The Y'all Vote website provides various educational materials to make the voting process less intimidated and easy to understand. You can start learning from their website, sos.edu. MS. Gov. So it's secretary of state, sos.ms.gov. This morning, we we're talking about how to become a candidate for public office because, you know, that's who generates, interprets, and guarantees our rights.
2: Well, and Leslie, we, we're going to talk about some specific uh, qualifications. But before we get there, I have a, I've got a question that I'm dying to ask, which is about write in candidates. And you know, I know that on ballots there'll be an opportunity for for uh, people who are voting to to write a candidate in. Um, so if someone's name is written in, then how do you verify their qualifications? I have, on occasion, written my wife's name in for um, a couple of offices. On And she how many has she won? <laughs> she hasn't won any. And I think that's maybe the, <laughs> the issue is maybe we don't have a lot of writing candidates that win, but. I, what I, I, is that? I mean, even how do you verify qualifications after someone maybe wins an election as a writing candidate?
0: Yeah, so writing candidates—it's—it's it's very rare that that even counts. To be honest with you, so when you vote for Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse, uh, you may be making a statement to the folks that are reviewing those those writing ballots, uh, but they don't—they don't necessarily count in the in the counting of the the ballots there. Now we will know, you know, under-voted or over-voted, uh, depending on. Again, I don't want to get into too technical terms, but uh, basically many times your writing candidates don't count. Uh, it's if someone is, is sick or died on the ballot or, you know, there are specific instances where a writing candidate would count. But te- you know, typically, when you go to vote in a, a U.S. Senate race and there's two candidates, somebody writes in, uh, that vote's not, it's going to be seen. Uh, but again, it, Mickey Mouse is not going to get a tally of number of votes cast for him or Captain Kangaroo or whoever else. And you know, we, were, we were talking earlier about the qualifications. And again, we'll, we'll get into the specifics of those, but. One of the things that's really important to point out is if you care about Mississippi, if you want to do something to to make it better, don't ever think that you're underqualified. You know, if you meet the the residency issue and the age issue and meet these other uh, types of specific qualifications, what really matters is that you care and want to make a difference. And I hate when people think, well, I'm not smart enough. I had a guy called... I uh, had encouraged him to run for office one day, and he said, Michael, I, I just I don't think I'm smart enough. Those guys up there are, are so much smarter than me that I just – he's turned into one of the best representatives we have. And it's because he cares, and he thinks through issues, and, and he wants to do better and, and make Mississippi better. So I just encourage people, if you think, look, man, I'm not capable of that. Those guys are so smart. Those women are so smart. And I can't do this. Don't, don't think that. You know, if you, you pray about something, get a piece about it. Jump on in here, and we'd love to have good people.
1: Well, and surround yourself with people you respect – People who you think are smart enough, because then you'll have a, a team to bounce ideas off of and back you up or talk you down. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
0: exactly right. You know, uh, I've, I've got Liz uh, with me today, our, our comms director, Liz Johnson, and it's people like Liz, uh, Wade Hinton, Carla Thornhill, uh, you know, Lee Janis. I could run off a bunch of names in our office. We're, we're folks that I feel like, you know, I want people that are smarter than me around me. When I when I do something that, hey, look, you may want to think about that differently. And and you're exactly right. When you surround yourself by successful folks, uh, by smart people who will challenge you, and you can listen and not be offended when somebody says, wait a minute. You know, we, we had a, a bunch of circuit clerks come to our office, and I, I really appreciated this. Uh, I had some issues back in COVID, and I was looking at a certain thing that I thought would be good. And, again, I'd never been secretary of state. I uh, was still learning about the elections process from our clerks. And one of them called and said, hey, we we want to come talk to you about something. And so about – I think it was about 13, 14 of them showed up in my office, and we had a good conversation and kind of got kicked off and said, hey, we think you're wrong. And what I loved was that they were comfortable enough to come in and say, hey – You may want to rethink this. And so I completely backed off of of the idea because of their input. And, again, I think that's what's important. Like you said, surround yourself with people that are smart, that know these things. And that's one of the reasons that we want to meet with all of our 82 circuit clerks and our uh, 410 elections commissioners, because they know elections. And if you have those relationships, even when it's hard conversations, they know that Michael cared enough to come sit in my office and ask me how he could better serve. So I'm going to tell them. And I think that's been a great piece for us
2: that's great advice that really is and uh you know i think for anyone running for office and, and so let's talk about some general qualifications for running for office i mean what if what if i want to run for and and again these are kind of grouped together you mentioned that some of the election uh, are grouped together uh, judicial county district or school district offices what what qualifications would i need for those
0: well again so like county you look at circuit clerk or Uh, chancery, uh, I'm sorry, circuit judge or chancery judge uh, or circuit clerk, any of those type of offices. Uh, Again, they're typically going to be age requirements. Uh, So like your your judicial candidates for chancery and circuit 26 years old, Um, your your school board and and others, some of those don't have technically uh, age requirements. Some of them do. Again, that's one of the reasons it's important to go look at our qualifications guideline. On the Secretary of State's page uh, but typically you're going to see a residency issue uh, so have I lived in this district for a certain length of time uh, if it, and that changes you know some of those may be for five years a resident of the state so secretary of state governor uh, those type things Uh, Secretary of State is five years. Attorney General is five years. uh, Governor, uh, you know, you got to be at least 30 years old, a citizen of the United States for 20 years. uh, Live in Mississippi for a certain amount of time. So, again, it it differs depending on which candidate or office that you're looking for. Uh, So at the county level, uh, some of those are a little less stringent. So, again, just a resident. Uh, Sometimes you do or don't have to be an attorney. Uh, Thinking of a few of the judicial offices there. Uh, If you're a justice court judge, you don't have to be an attorney. If you're running for circuit judge, you do have to be an attorney. Uh, So, again, it it varies depending on what you're running for. So that's why it's really important to go do your homework, come to our website, uh, do the research, and then ask questions if you have those.
1: We have a call. Let's go first to Hattiesburg, and Rolani has called in. Rolani, thanks for calling in, to in legal terms today. We are so pleased to have Secretary of State Michael Watson call, be in our studio to talk about what it takes to be a candidate. What's your comment or question?
3: It is. Uh, for, for example, the election coming up in November, where there will be several different people running, if you should write in a name to make a statement we you know you i understand that a person needs should have uh, would have died or something happened that they couldn't uh, be a legitimate candidate but are is the whole ballot thrown out or just that one particular write in
0: yeah great question and I appreciate you calling in and no the the entire ballot is not thrown out, so it'd be just whatever office that was uh, and again, people would see that so uh, you know if your uh, commissioners or uh, the, the board that comes in to, to look at the absentee votes uh, would would review those and would see it uh, so uh, a possible statement could be made via uh, that route and again if a, a certain number uh, folks decided, hey, we're all going to write Mickey Mouse in. I think eventually somebody would see that, and you may see it in a newspaper article or uh, on on the radio hear about it. Uh, so yeah, you, you can do that, and it won't it won't cancel uh, your whole ballot.
1: Thanks, Rolani. We appreciate you calling in today. But you know, this is where it. it Behooves you to even to find out who is running for different offices to to get to know sometimes these what they call what do they call them down ballot things you know the school board 's pretty important
0: <laughs> incredibly important. Uh, we just had an issue uh, where some folks called and said, "Hey, uh, a school board voted to to increase our our tax our millage you know for for certain projects or whatever, and can they do that well, absolutely they can do that, and the the board has to allow it if it 's a certain amount of increase so you're talking about some serious decisions being made uh, impacting the future of our state, our, our children and young students. So every office matters. And yeah. Every and if, vote matters.
1: If you want to make a difference in Mississippi, you, you don't have to do it as governor or secretary of state. You could start with your school board.
0: Yeah. And we tell people sometimes, you know, we, we get this focus on the federal level uh, and, and, you know, who's the president or who's our senator, who's the impact that's quickest felt most most quickly felt uh, is at the local level. So when you're talking about a mayor or a city council member or a school board, that's that's where your life can be impacted the quickest. So I encourage people don't just think about governor or, or president, think about your local board, uh, you know, council council members uh, and and you're exactly right. Please do your homework. Uh, so many times people just hear a certain name that they have seen before or read before.
1: You might have read it in a police report or
0: seen it on the post office. Uh, It's important to know what people stand for. And, And when we talk to our younger students, I tell them all the time, number one, figure out what you believe, what's important to you, and then find candidates who espouse those same things, who stand for those same things, and then help them get elected. Most importantly, once they get elected, don't stop there. Hold them accountable. You know, if they do, if they say one thing and then do another. They shouldn't be serving anymore. So that's an important piece. To make sure you're paying attention to your candidates.
1: I like that idea. If you're not ready to run for office yourself, find somebody that you do like and see what what you could do for them.
0: That's exactly right. And one of the things, my favorite part of campaigns is door to door, knocking on doors and talking to people. And uh, my first one, I think I was in seventh or eighth grade, and it was a guy running for state representative and remember going door to door with him and it just blew my mind away you know when you get to talk to mississippians that just every day with what's going on in your life how can we make it better uh here's this guy guy's running for this and the responses you get I, I learned some things that I actually introduced in the state legislature from knocking on doors so when you can listen and get out there and talk to real mississippians and understand what are the issues that are impacting those around the table discussions at dinner that's when you can make a difference
1: we we just heard on the the news today that hairdressers are being empowered encouraged to learn about mental health so that they can help their clients we um, wonder how many hairdressers are in the legislature they probably know what's on (laughs) what's on the topic but what about uh, candidates for for u.s congress for for senator or for house of representative if i if i do decide i'm going to I'm going to bypass my town, but uh, want to represent Mississippi, a, a larger number of Mississippi's Mississippians. What kind of requirements do they have?
0: Yeah, so uh, United States Senate, uh, you have to be 30 years old, uh, obviously a resident of the state uh, during the election. U.S. Congress, uh, 25 years old, so uh, that varies just a little bit there. And again, as we mentioned before, uh, for Congress, you can live in any part of the state and run in any district you choose. Now, that may come up in the election uh, when you're having a debate and people say, well, this guy doesn't even live in the district or this lady doesn't doesn't even live uh, in this part of the state. So, uh, But you do not have to live in, in the district in which you run. So it's a little bit different there. And then obviously in, this, in the U.S. Senate, you can live anywhere in Mississippi because it's a statewide uh, position that, that goes on to serve in D.C. So uh, 30 years old, uh, obviously a resident of the state at the time. Um, and there are a few of the things that you would obviously be looking for. Uh, you know, what what is this person's what what is what have they done? What's their what's their background, uh, and and how can they best serve us? Uh, are there experiences that they've had in life that are going to matter to us in DC and to us here in Mississippi? So, um, it, it's not too in depth for the qualifications piece, but uh, certainly need to listen to what they're saying and. And then again, the, the accountability piece is something that we overlook too many times. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that sometimes D.C. or, or Jackson or wherever goes off track. It's because Mississippians just they get busy with life and they don't necessarily want to pay as close attention to their candidates as as maybe we should.
1: Sometimes the county seat's too far away. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then there are some that are a little spaced
1: out. We hope that you'll give us a call to be part of our show today. Our phone number is one seven M P B ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. Email us your questions. Our address is legalterms at... MPBOnline.org. We're talking with Secretary of State Michael Watson about how to become a candidate for public office. Now, if you're not interested in running for office, but you want to be involved in the voting process, we'll share how you can help others vote. That's next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. look at your vehicle think of mpb need to get rid of your ride donate it by calling 877 mpb the number four car need to have some work done on your truck listen to autocorrect thursdays at 10 saturdays at 11 an mpb license plate reminds you that mpb is with you wherever you go go to your county office and ask for an mpb car tag mpb and cars better together Are listening to in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you will subscribe to our podcast. You can find it on the MPBonline.org slash radio. That's where all the MPB podcasts live. And but if we're talking today about qualifications for running for public office with our guest, Secretary of State of Mississippi, Michael Watson. But if you would like to get to help some other Mississippians registered to vote, there's a website for that. You can from the Y'all Vote section of sos.ms.gov there's a voter registration toolkit that would be fantastic you know sometimes people complain you know if if you're not part of the process you're part of the problem and you'd be surprised at how many people aren't registered to vote maybe they've moved in and they had that hadn't been a priority or if they uh, are you know these 18 year olds that are I don't know these these eighteen year olds these days. When you know, mine weren't really excited about driving, and I think we need to make sure they're excited about uh, learning how to vote. So this this website is just fantastic. Once again, the secretary's website is sos.m.s.gov.
0: And you hit you know, on a great piece there, the voter registration and. One of the things that we've talked about, how do to get people more engaged. And, and so what we have done, we're going to college campuses, we're going to high school football games, you name it. We're going to different places and setting up voter registration drives to make people understand, hey, it's easy to register to vote. Here's, here's the form that you need. Here, here are the qualifications that, that you need to meet. And then uh, number two, let's educate them on the process. This is what it looks like. This is what you'll need to do to go vote. And I think that's one of the things people are – tend to get a little bit confused about hey, well, can I do can I vote this or can I can I vote by mail or can I vote absentee or can I vote how can I vote and so when you encourage them and, and teach them hey here's the process they get more comfortable and then they feel you know what? I can I can do this I can be a part of the process so uh, we just started a new program our, our ambassador program where we had about 112 115 applications come in from high school seniors and we we got 56 we cut it down to 56 and so we're going to teach them about the, the process this is how elections work in Mississippi. And then we're going to partner with them to do voter registration drives back in their schools, in their communities. So it's getting people engaged, again, no matter what the age is, uh, and then helping them to know here's the process and here's how you can help your, your fellow Mississippians uh, get involved.
2: Well, that's great. Yeah, I do think people, I, We when you, when you look at the numbers and the percentage of people that, who actually vote in elections, and especially local elections, it's, it's way low. And so, you know, people are giving up their power to make decisions about, uh, you know, who governs um, them when they don't vote. And I'm always disappointed at, at, you know, voting percentages that that fall below 50 percent. So thank you for for talking about the the ease of voter registration. Um, But if I've, you know, let's talk about, again, qualifications for office. And if, if I've ever been convicted of a crime, can I run for office?
0: You, you can in some instances. Uh, candidates can never have been convicted of bribery, perjury, or other infamous crime. And, and people that may want to know what an infamous crime is, uh, a crime that's punishable by a minimum of one year uh, confinement in the state penitentiary, uh, unless you were pardoned later on. Uh, then also, people ask about felonies all the time, uh, so you can't run with a felony unless it is a manslaughter or a violation of the US IRS code. Uh, which you were very familiar with, uh, or violation of of felony prior to 1992 is actually okay. So it's interesting how our our laws work there. And again, one of the reasons why you should go to the website and do your homework and make sure that you're learning, uh, am I I qualified to run for office? What are the issues I need to be aware of? And you just mentioned one thing as well, the percentages. We had about an 11% turnout in our congressional primaries. Uh, And that's that's discouraging uh, when you think about folks who really – Are are they engaged? And when when you see an 11 percent turnout, it just makes me wonder, you know, what what are we doing here? Uh, We've got to be engaged. We've got to be holding people accountable. That's how our government was set up. And the more folks who are engaged and and playing a role in the process, the better government that you get. So I hope folks will will listen and pay attention to that.
1: Is there a way? I, I mean, other than reminding people, how can you improve voter turnout?
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that we're doing, going on campuses, uh, going to, to high schools and colleges, uh, trying to encourage our next generation of leaders. Why is this important? And, and let's let's explain to them the process. Let's explain to them why it's important. Let's spend time with them. Let's mentor them. Uh, and that look we can do better here in Mississippi and so everywhere we go we talk about voter registration we talk about why it's important to be engaged in the process we talk about accountability and those are important things for Mississippians to hear to then get engaged in the process so I think we can uh, we've got promote the vote another thing that we do in our schools uh, where the different kind of uh, competitions uh, there's essays and there's digital art and a few other things uh, in our younger grades so uh, as many people in the younger ages that we can encourage to get involved in the process the better uh, we'll continue to do it. The, the education, again, is a key component of what we do.
1: It's a call-in show, folks, and we've got from Ocean Springs, Bobby has called in to ask a question of Secretary of State Michael Watson about qualifying to be a candidate for office today. Bobby, what's your comment or question for Secretary Watson?
3: Well, thank you for uh, taking my call. Secretary Watson, has our state legislature – fix the ballot initiative process is there currently a viable one available
0: bobby um uh, glad to see you at jackson county and call in we we're, uh we're, we're a little bit kin there since you're from the jackson county my home home county appreciate you calling in and take a d- deep breath of that salt air for me and make me feel a little better up here uh, unfortunately, to your question there, no, uh, they did not. Uh, we encouraged the legislature to move forward with that last year. Uh, as many people know, it was challenged based on the medical marijuana initiative. Uh, the Supreme Court came down and said, look, you know, we had five congressional districts that were uh, redrawn down to four when we lost one. Uh, and in the uh, the law, it says you have to have 20% of your signatures from each congressional district. Well, that was based on five. So now that we only have four if you do 20% times 4, you only get 80%, so you can't get to the full number. So technically, uh, it's broken. So we went to the legislature and said, look, we've got to fix this. Uh, having Mississippians being able to um, get the ballot initiative process done is really important to hear from them. Uh, again, you you want uh, citizens to be engaged in the process, and you just took one away from them, so let's fix it. And unfortunately, they did not do it last session. We're continuing to work with them and and encourage them to do so. Uh, There was some conversation about whether or not you would take away the constitutional and add a statutory, or whether you would have both statutory and constitutional. So uh, I think you'll see some more conversation about that this year. Whether or not it gets done, I'm not sure. I hope it does. Uh, That's something that's important to us, and we'll continue supporting that effort.
1: Bobby, talk to your representative and uh, and the senator. Tell them that that's a uh, priority for you.
0: That's right. Tell Hank Zuber to get busy down there, and uh, Senator Wiggins and, and the other guys to to get on it. Thank you very much. Yes, sir.
1: Let's go to Florence now and talk with Roger. Roger, we're so glad you've called in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question?
3: Well, what a wonderful program. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for your parts. And uh, this is a question for both of you. Well, I want to make a comment first uh, about the, uh, <coughs> about calling your legislator. I've, I've done that so many times, and uh, <laughs> uh, most legislators are good at smiling, good at saying why that they can't advance something, and they have one good excuse. Most of it's not, but one good excuse, and that is that the committee assignments – are not under their control, and committees can kill something long before it ever gets to the floor where they get a chance to vote on it. So you might want to comment on that. Now, here's my question. What is the, What are the problems, the advantages and the uh, problems, uh, the illegitimate criticisms and the legitimate criticisms of mail-in ballots? And that's a question for both of you. Uh, I'll hang on, but I don't. I don't need to. Uh, just go ahead, and uh, unless you've got a question for me, thank you. I don't.
0: I'll address the first one that you mentioned there, and that's normally or, or typically historically called a pocket veto. So when you have legislation uh, in the in the Senate or the House, uh, in the House, the Speaker assigns it, and in the Senate, the Lieutenant Governor assigns it. If they don't really like the issue typically you'll see them assign it to either one uh, a committee over which they have a lot of control so it's a a senator or a representative that feels kind of beholden to the lieutenant governor or to the speaker and they would tell them listen I I don't want to see this come up for a vote Uh, so the chairman then has the ability to call any legislation up for a vote in his uh, that's been assigned to his committee and so typically what you see is that that chairman will have gotten the word from the speaker or the lieutenant governor and they say okay fine we'll kill it and they never bring it up for a vote nor conversation in the committee so that's a legitimate uh, concern from members uh, around the state if there's something that they want to push but they can't get it up for a vote in their committee That's because the chairman controls that Uh, so that you're right that is a, a legitimate response saying how they can't get something forward Uh, But I do appreciate you calling folks. Um, Again, Mississippians need to understand your representatives and your senators need to be held accountable. So when there are issues that are important to you, reach out to them. And and not just them, all of us. Uh, Call our office. Call the governor's office. Call the lieutenant governor's office, speaker's office. Uh, That's an important role to to be engaged in uh, to make sure that things that are important to you are getting heard and uh, hopefully moved forward to to help issue or answer that question. To your second one there. That's a really long conversation. Uh, we've got about, I think, about 10 minutes left, but we can <laughs> we can dive into it uh, in part. So mail-in ballots is, is really where a lot of folks will tell you that that's where you see the fraud. Uh, so when you go, uh, we've, we've heard about ballot harvesting, which is technically illegal in Mississippi. Uh, it's legal in some states, uh, but what you will see is uh, folks who will get uh, or call in for an application for a mail-in ballot. And uh, we saw one, and I'll just give you an example, we saw one uh, itch instance down in, uh, well, I won't say where, but uh, in Mississippi where some folks had, uh, when you live in a nursing home or, or, you know, certain instances where folks are a family member or somebody can call in and request it for you. Uh, what we saw happening was uh, this individual was in a nursing home and they had requested absentee ballots uh, times before. And so they they had saved the form that this person had originally signed, and probably legitimately so, and that's okay. But they had saved the form, and they were whiting out the dates and changing it and just sending it back in each next election. Well, we got wind of it, and we went and checked vital records and this person. Uh, and this happened more than once, but this person had passed away. Oops. So the individual, again, was sending in this application that they were whiting out and changing the date uh, and possibly had a legitimate signature on it, uh, but they were taking advantage of that. So you can that, – that's one specific example. Uh, there are many more that you could talk about. Now, that said, you've got a, a senior who who can't get out of their home. Uh, they are homebound, and they, they want to make sure that their voice is heard that's a legitimate request you know i cannot get to the polls so uh, it it goes across the spectrum Uh, i do think there are instances where mail-in ballots are taken advantage of and that's unfortunate Uh, you're going to have questions and concerns uh, about elections there's never a perfect election and what we have seen with this is you know there's some conversations going on about early voting well should we move to early voting in mississippi Uh, in my visits with our clerks they'll tell you the safest vote is one that's cast in person. So if we did early voting and the early votes can only be allowed inside the courthouse in the uh, circuit clerk's office, Would you maybe curtail some of the absentee voting by mail? Uh, So there are a lot of discussions going on out there. Now, now I'm not saying, you know, we need to do that or we don't. These are just discussions that Mississippians should be aware of because they're happening. But, again, you you see a lot of the fraud, uh, most of the fraud, that happens with mail-in ballots because it's just tough. You know, when you've got somebody that's going and uh, taking advantage of nursing home patients, that that turns my stomach. Uh, And every vote counts. And people say, well, maybe that's just one occasion, I've seen tied elections at the local level, at the legislative level, where you know uh, one. You've vote.
1: only got 11 percent people voting. And, and you only got 11 percent <laughs> voting. That's g- right. Every vote counts.
0: But you've seen tied elections, and when one was um, won or lost because somebody took advantage of an elderly individual in a nursing home who passed away, that's not how this should work. So every vote matters. Every vote counts. And uh, mail-in ballots are really the ones that you see a lot of the fraud happening.
1: Professor oh, Gerson. Right.
0: I
2: just want to say, uh, one thing that I've heard, uh, Secretary Watson, that, that people ask asked for, one, I, you know, I'm a big believer in electronic uh, connection. I mean, we send our tax returns electronically. It seems like at some point we could move to a secure electronic vote to give more access for people because leaving on a work day to get to a particular site that may not be that convenient for them a lot of times will prevent people from voting. But the other, the other thought is you know, make that to election day a holiday, give people the day off of work so they can get to the polls, because if it really does matter that much, you know, having it open from 7 to 7, where some people really do work those hours or have children that they have to take care of, I, I don't think it's as accessible. So I would love for uh, the state to consider making that a, a state holiday. I
0: mean, I'm absolutely 100% for it. Um, when, when you think about the men and women who died, who, who sacrificed everything they had to give us this right... Uh, Honoring them by going and casting our vote and then our voices be heard is so important. Uh, So what we can do uh, to make that uh, easier? uh, Again, you got to weigh that with the integrity of the process. Uh, So if you did make it a state holiday, and and hopefully more folks will come out to vote. uh, You know, we've looked at a couple of different things: uh, early voting, mail-in balloting, and, and in most studies that I've seen, you've not seen an increase in the number of votes cast. Now, it, it, it typically comes down to, hey, what's easier for me? What's better for me? But you don't really see the increase in turnout. So that's one of the things we've got to consider as well. Uh, you mentioned the electronic piece. Uh, so right now our UACABA ballots, so our uniformed overseas citizens, military members, or uh, folks who live overseas or based here in the United States can, can vote. Those, those votes typically are handled electronically. So... I'm not a fan of moving to electronic voting, uh, especially not yet. And we've we've heard a lot of folks in the cybersecurity world say we are nowhere near being ready to, to run an election uh, via electronic means. But uh, we do have some of that happening now in our UOCAVA, which was important. And you talk about. One of the things that's really cool that Mississippi is actually leading the country on, our U of Kawa, we, we added our first responders to our U of voting. And y'all may recall, we had a hurricane just five days before the election a couple of years ago, and we had folks coming in from all over the country uh, trying to, to help us get our power back on. Well, unfortunately, many of them were from states who did not have U of provision covering their first responders. Mississippi did. So we had folks who were leaving Corinth, Mississippi, come down to the coast who were able to vote while they are hanging on the side of a telephone pole uh, using U of Kawa provisions via... Uh, their, their cell phone. Other states did not. So we found out, uh, you know, that there really wasn't a widespread thing. So Mississippi actually presented at a couple of national conferences, uh, National Association of Secretaries of State and a few others about what we did in Mississippi. So now we're having other states follow our lead, which was really cool, uh, you know, talking about the, the access to voting. Uh, so you, I, our provisions here in Mississippi have been a, a national leader, uh, and it's been a fun thing to talk about.
1: We are going to just keep on going, Professor Gershon. We are talking with Secretary of State Michael Watson. We're talking about qualifications for running for public office. I do want to make sure that folks know, you know, I just can't say enough about how great your website is. Just the wealth of information about running for public office, um, voting, how to start a business, y'all business. I knew about y'all vote, but y'all business, that is such a great resource for folks. And that website, sosmsgovernor We'll also have a link to the qualifying guide, which it was the what precipitated us having this show that uh just having you know, what are the, you know, the bread and butter? What What is that, you know, how much money do you have to pay? What's the entry fee for <laughs> deciding to run for governor, and who do you have to pay it for? And and knowing that, well, I'm 18, can I run for anything? Or, you know, now that I'm 25, what could I run for to make a difference in our my community? We are talking with Secretary of State of Mississippi, Michael Watson, about how folks can run for public office. Okay, Professor Gershon, we've got about five minutes left to get through the million of questions we had.
0: Can I, can I hit one real quick that you just oh, mentioned there? go ahead. So last year, the legislature actually changed the fee structure uh, to run for office. So I do encourage people to take a little time and check on those. Depending on what you were running for, uh, those those numbers may have changed just last year. So I, I mean, it used to be you.
1: like $10 for this and $50 for that. So you, you don't want to be disqualified over 5 bucks or something. They,
0: they pushed them up pretty good for the statewide folks. So uh, unfortunately, I'll have to pay a little extra money next time I run for office, uh, if I do run for office. And then one of the things you mentioned was you business, and I just wanted to give a quick shout out to, to Wade Hinton and Jeff Lee and our team. We, we heard about uh, something up in Rhode Island where they had this Welcome to Business webinar. And so now these new business owners, typically what had happened, they just filed their paperwork with the Secretary of State's office and never heard from us again until they had to file their annual report the next year. Well, far too often what we have seen is these new business owners, they, they, they've got a great idea, but they're not exactly sure how to run a business. So we've got now our Welcome to Business webinar. We have it two times a month, and folks can get on and ask all the questions they need. And we want to give them the basics here, are the resources that you're going to need. Hey, remember, you're going to have to file your end report. You're going to file your taxes. This is how this system works. And then connect them with, with MDA, uh, with uh, Small Business Development Center, uh, just to try to be helpful. So I think that's an important piece, and really appreciate our guys uh, adding that up and, and our ladies coming and helping us reach out to the, as many Mississippians as possible.
2: And I will, I will add I 'm on a board of a charitable organization, and that website has got fantastic information so uh, I always appreciate that as well um, so I a, we don't have much time to talk about elections, but this has been this has been great and uh, can, so are all elections in Mississippi partisan or are there some that are not uh, done by party affiliation?
0: yeah there, there are just a handful uh, that are not done by party affiliation most of them are. Uh, your judicial candidates, with the exception of justice court judge, or nonpartisan uh, special elections. So if someone passes away and there's a, a Senate race or a, a House race or whatever race, those folks run without party tags. So for the most part, it, it is partisan. In Mississippi, when you register, you do not have to select a party uh, when you register to vote. So. Uh, if you decide that you want to go vote in the, the Republican primary, then you would qualify, or you would, uh, you know, make that decision when you go to the polls, uh, vote in the Republican primary, uh, and then obviously the general election. So, uh, most of ours are party affiliated, but there are a few again judicial and, and some others. Uh, you can find that on our webpage, but that, that are not partisan. Well, and
2: you mentioned I, I think this is one that uh, causes confusion for some some people. So, if I if uh, If I vote in the Republican primary or the Democratic primary, then I've got to vote uh, in in a runoff. I can only vote in the one that I voted for in the original primary. But if I don't vote in the primary, but there's a runoff, can I vote for in that runoff?
0: Yeah, so there was some confusion on that. And and, uh, within, I guess, the last three or four years, the legislature actually changed the law. Uh, Originally, it was intent. So if you voted in whichever primary you decided— you had to intend on supporting the winner of that primary in the general election in uh, the runoff as well. Now the law is if, if I come out and vote in a Republican primary and there's a runoff in the Democratic primary, I cannot vote in that Democratic runoff. I can vote if there's a Republican runoff. If I didn't vote at all, I can go vote in that runoff as well, no matter what the party is. So if you vote in a Democratic primary and there's a Democratic primary runoff, uh, certainly you can vote in that if you vote in the Republican primary and there's a Democratic runoff, you cannot then go vote in that Democratic runoff. If you didn't vote in either, then you can vote in that runoff. So it is a little bit confusing, and I, we get a lot of questions about that. So I appreciate you asking that. That's important for recipients to know.
1: Well, and we, we just have 30 seconds left. So it was interesting, you said, you know, the uh, Attorney General, a lot of their qualifications are tied to other uh, positions and so where where do the qualifications come from in the first place? Yeah,
0: that's a great question. Some of them are in the Constitution, and some of them are in statute. So it's a little bit of a mix. And, again, an important reason to come to our website, and you can see the notations of this came from the Constitution or this came from statute. Uh, And I just, look, I appreciate you guys letting me come on, and it's important that Mississippians know the process, know how this thing works, and the more folks that we can educate and get engaged in the process, the better for government.
1: Well, and we're so glad that you were with us today. Thank you Secretary of State Michael Watson for being with us. Very welcome. Thank you, Professor Gershon, from hosting from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We appreciate our intern Charles Arnold on the phones, and Jay White is our board engineer, so we hope that everybody will join us next tuesday at 10 a.m central for in legal terms on mpb think radio
0: this is an mpb think radio podcast